Welcome to the Rambling Corner. I'm your host, Louis, and as usual, I'm joined by the charismatic Curtis. <laughs> Hello. And um, we come today with a very late episode three. Uh, it's been delayed for a number of reasons, which we're going to get into. But without further ado, let the theme music play. <laughs> So, as uh, I said, it's episode three, and uh, this was supposed to be out, what, like six to eight weeks ago? Oh, I've lost count, to be fair. Oh, uh, when did you start the ju- you know, your new job? About six weeks ago. So, yeah, it's about a short, yeah. short stint of employment, but yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll explain in a moment, but um, just to be clear, we originally intended for this to be every, what, like one to two weeks? Yeah, and well, every week, ideally. But yeah, but... Because mainly, because I wasn't making the major commitment to do it every week. That was on <laughs> you. I could just sort of say, yeah, all right, I'll do that then, there, there. But anyway, details. Well, in the future, like going forward, hopefully this will be every week, maybe two weeks until we kind of settle on a proper upload date and get better with our schedules. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously better at recording stuff, you know. Yeah, just Not that in general. Not invigorating, but... <laughs> Yeah. Just, just bear a life in general. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the main reason for the delay is, as Kurt just said, is that I got a new job that I quit on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> no, oh, it, it was power to you because it was shit. Yeah, it's night. It was night work. Um, it was a milkman. I'm not going to name the company, but it's going to be pretty easy for anyone to figure out because there's only one company that delivers milk to houses and glass bottles. But uh, yeah, it, it was shit because it, um, it was six nights a week across seven days. So you finish Saturday morning and you're back in Sunday night with only your uh, Saturday night off. I was very tired. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, obviously in the preparation for doing this podcast, we had a little face-to-face meeting via the internet. Um, and he looked like shit. I've never seen him look so tired. And he probably went through most of school not sleeping. So... Yeah, for him to look so shit after six weeks, you've got a question how good that job was. In fact, yeah. you, s- you still look tired, mate. But you do, you do look, my you do look less tired. Yeah, my bags are going. But yeah, you're right. In school, I hardly slept. Yeah, I know, but it's something else, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Working and not sleeping. Oh, mate, it is hard work. It is genuine hard work. Um, so what what can we talk about? Do you have questions about it first before I talk about some nonsense? Um. Oh, wow. Did you steal milk? <laughs> well, I certainly couldn't say. Um, I I would say I commandeered it. I didn't st- <laughs> I didn't steal it. It was just lying around. But it's sort of taxation for the better uh, better good, really, isn't it? Because clearly, people, the more milk you drink, doesn't have an effect on your complexion because you know you look very tired. No, it just had an effect on my IBS, which is <laughs> just yeah. lovely. But he's convinced me to take out my local milkman. I, I, I was drinking a lot of Gold Top milk, which is delicious for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure of trying it. It comes, you know, it comes strictly from Channel Island cows. I'm not going to go into the nutrition because I have absolutely no idea. But it's five percent fat. Yeah. 
uh, contains different proteins. Well, no, the same proteins, but in different ratios to what, uh, you know, whatever the dominant cow species we use. So maybe it's a Dutch one, but I can't remember the name of it. Um, Don't know. But yeah, these cows just give really, really creamy milk. And uh, I was buying it from Sainsbury's. I thought, you know what? I could do about the aggro of getting Harriet to buy it for me. Um, <laughs> so I will uh, take out the milkman. And it comes fresh on my doorstep by five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and it's getting to the right time of year that you'll be uh, getting up and picking that up. And you're uh, be so cold that the cream would have set really it's nice and hard. It, yeah, <laughs> on that, it's, very, it's very tempting to not just crack open the four and drink it like that. I do have to give it a shake first. Well, I did that a couple of times in the van at work. It's oh. like, ooh, real thirsty. I'm getting hungry as well. Yeah. Just fucking neck, neck a whole bottle of that. Obviously, <laughs> you paid for the milk, so, you know, it's, you, you had every right to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. No, you, go, you go on about it because I don't really have a lot of... Qu- it's such a trivial job, mate, mm. and I'm sure the job description is pretty much in the title. You delivered milk. Yeah, right. So there's a new company that bought it a few years ago and they're trying to push the whole we're going to deliver before 7 a.m. So the actual time was meant to be 10 till 7 in the morning. But I was being trained by a guy who was still franchised um, because there's a lot of franchisees there that they're forcing over into, you know, contracts and stuff. Um, But they can't make the franchise. uh, They can't make the franchisees like do the time that they want because they do what they want they're self-employed yeah, um yeah, yeah. so i was starting like sporadically sometimes around 11 midnight sometimes oh, two man. sometimes three in the morning Shit, so sometimes i'll be start, back like s- half seven sometimes i'll be back like 10 11 it was just really hard to plan my sleep around that yeah, um course, and yeah. obviously i want to see like sophia in the evening so yeah. just yeah i was sleeping something like three four hours in the day <clears throat> then sleeping another couple in the evening and it was all just too broken i couldn't couldn't hack it um, yeah i mean i always thought to myself i could never do night work i would never do bar work because it's not saying you've got to deal with drunk people yeah uh, i mean at least you're sort of in a position where you don't have to talk to anyone because anyone you meet out at that time in the morning uh, they've got to be wrong haven't they? Well, yeah there's that and but i don't have a car things? at the moment oh yeah, yeah. So I had to cycle <laughs> there, cycle, yeah, yeah. and um, it's over in like anyone who's familiar with Fampton. It's over in St Mary's, which is a <laughs> lovely place. Oh, I didn't know that. No. Oh, mate, I had to go. You know, uh, I can't remember what the name of the road is, but <laughs> up the top of Beavis Valley, where Dungeon used to be, and you cut across, and oh, then there's that horrible road time. going down by the train gates where all the prostitutes and smackheads are at night. Yeah, I had to cycle right through that. Or I got. I nearly hit a prostitute a couple of times because they <laughs> stepped out in front of me on my bike. Um, what? I, just to, to offer their services? I don't know. They're like, but it's like it's like two in the morning. They're smacked out their head at this point. You're like, going to get a good, uh, yeah, well, they ain't getting I'm far a, on a bike, are they? Yeah, exactly. It was a combination park, of that. Park your Co- bike in this tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, they would, when, when if you get stopped or if you slow down when we drive by in the van sometimes at night they'd start trying to approach yeah I mean, it's mental but um yeah so it's a combination of that, a combination of the slack management couldn't deal with it but i just want to clarify we weren't dissing prostitutes you know you don't do no that. of course not it's an very unfortunate yeah. way of life especially if you're out there like you know on the street like that but it's not a very pleasant thing to be going through when you're going to work well nah, nah. especially <laughs> not because not mainly I mean, yeah, you're probably so tired, mate. Half those things didn't even 
They weren't real. <laughs> <laughs> no, mainly it's not the problem that it's a prostitute. The problem is where there's prostitutes, there's pimps. Yeah. Oh, yeah and that's yeah, why yeah. I'm like concerned. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah, crack on. Yeah, so it was poor, poor, well, yeah, carry on. Yeah, poor management. Like, yeah. I, I uh, was there six weeks. I never was, despite asking, I was never once given a number to contact the office. I had nowhere calling in sick. Uh, the manager was just a lazy sod who couldn't be bothered to do anything, like literally. And the manager below him was just overworked because he was doing everything that his boss, the main manager, was supposed to be doing. But he didn't want that guy's job. So, you know, <laughs> no, it was no just like... the manager job. Exactly, mate. And this manager, from what I can tell, is someone who was just pushed um, from office to office and yeah. fucks up an office until it gets completely <laughs> bollocked, and then they just push him to another. Yeah, rather than t- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's familiar in any sort of working environment. Oh, of course, you know, but it was—it it just became frustrating in the end because he had absolutely no support about anything, and it was just the way he talks to you. Um, he was trying to rush my training, constantly yeah. just being like oh yeah you know the round yet i'm like no and then i see him two days later and he's like you know the round yet and i'm like the, the rounds are done in two halves so every other day you do a different side and i'm like no i've literally done both sides once since we last spoke like yeah. i don't know it he's probably just chatting you up mate yeah i mean because there's about people don't realize there's about 400 deli- well three to 400 deliveries on average a night yeah. that we were doing so yeah, ain't going like door to door to door is it you've got to drive on nah there's, there's yeah. driving we deliver to businesses schools yeah I delivered, you know, those little cartons of milk you got in school. Yeah, when yeah, we were yeah, in yeah, yeah I delivered that. those. <laughs> nice. I always liked them. Oh, you, you always see the wet kids with like the chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> I never had that. My mum wasn't paying that. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. And he was, I oh, just standard milk for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That helped your guts, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so poor management, poor journey to work, poor sleep. Uh, any other positives to the job? Yeah, the guy trained me. Uh, at first, he was all right, but he got a bit annoying after a while. He was he was all right. He was nice enough. What sort of annoying? Just sort of like he's a narcissist. Uh, but he, he was the first to admit it. He t- basically told me that within the first few weeks that he's mindful that he's got narcissistic tendencies and he tries to like not be so narcissistic. But he was. He just basically spent all night talking about himself, talking about his problems, his friends' problems, drama. But the moment you kind of share something, he's completely disinterested, even yeah. if it's related to what he's saying. He's just waiting to tell you more about himself. Yeah. I and mean, then... To go off on that, uh, there, yeah, there was a... Per- I actually, no, I'm not even going to mention it, mate, because, you know, nah, nah, carry on, sorry. I was just going to say one, one last thing about him is... um, I, I, I wouldn't want to use the word racist. It was prejudice and xenophobia. Yeah, and he, he would make remarks. On the subject that's yeah. more than the actual racist. Tend- you know, he's not yeah, yeah. actual racist. He's just an idiot. That's it. It make remarks yeah. like, um, "I'm one of these people. I will generalize about certain groups of people, but not like that." So, in other words, we're talking about stuff. You get cut up by a taxi driver, and I'm like, "Yeah, all taxi drivers are pricks." I mean, yeah. obviously, not all of them are. I'm generalizing, but a lot of them are out of my experience. Um, but he he's and he goes, it's always the Indian ones, isn't it? Bloody hell. Oh, well, he used the P word, but yeah. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> yeah, the neighbouring country. Oh, um, so oh, yeah. he'd say... Obviously, the truncated version of that word. It's not, it's not the actual... Yeah. No, the derogatory sense. Yeah. So he's, he's using that. And like, and then I was like, nah, mate, it's pretty much all taxi drivers. And he's just like, yeah, but they're worse. And I'm like, they're really not, mate. It doesn't matter if they're British or if they're not. Like, they're all just kind of pricks. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes he'd say stuff as well, like, 
he'd be describing someone because he, he worked this other job as well. He worked two jobs. I don't know how the fuck he did that. But he was a manager at a private hospital as well for a hospitality team. And he's talking about some of the people that come in that have been pushed over from the general, so NHS. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he described them as a bit council, which <laughs> I kind of resented because yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I grew yeah. up in a council house yeah. on a council estate. And um, I'm going to beep it out because I don't want to shit on any areas. But he, uh, he owned this house, right? But um, where he lived... Well, yeah. <laughs> he owned a house. He owned a house yeah. there, and he's then going, "Oh yeah, they're a bit council." And I thought, it's "Right, mate, it's not like yeah, you live yeah, out yeah, in the yeah. forest or something, is how it?" Old, don't live... How old was he then? Because his thirties. Yeah, because I mean, Harriet's been tense, and you know, people. Well, one of them's old off. I'm sure he's about forty-five, but looks about fourteen. But um, she's been telling me some of them because she she's working in a very close environment. It's sort of like a, you know, if you're sharing yeah. a van, if you just you two and that. She's doing that on the regular with one person in particular who's, I mean, he's got serious sort of, um, I don't even know what to describe it. He's got, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him, mate. It's some sort, I don't want to say mental ailment, but he's he's definitely on some sort of spectrum or another. Yeah. You know, just definitely, you you know, I don't know what one. There's plenty out there. I think it's how my mum would politely put that he's got a little want. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah. I don't know Very what true, she really yeah. means by that, but yeah. it's a He's nice way of putting it. I'm sure she said that about me as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, but no. But more importantly, there's some younger people there sharing some quite worrying views for 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 younger people, and it's clearly linked to a lack of education on some things because mm. you know they're questioning whether sexism still exists in society. You know, and it's so. I said to her, she should have just said to that. You're still asking that. You're asking that question. There's still an issue, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? But arguably, that can be a sign of things actually getting better because that's that's that these people haven't actually experienced those sort of problems yeah. and conflicts in their life, which I means that they are slowly getting saying, out of society. But from what I could gather, yeah, but that's like me arguing that I didn't know there were so many racists, and then I can't because I was living in like a little bubble of sort of uh, left wingers yeah uh, or, or just educated people don't matter what side of the political spectrum they're on uh and then i move somewhere where clearly the majority of people don't have that same level of education and um it's not even case of bleed you know you, you're not out of place really uh, uh, basically what i'm trying to argue is he was asking it in a way that was sort of belittling the whole uh, feminist movement as opposed to him having absolutely no clue on what uh, the That's ignorance. Were. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, but I don't think it was just ignorance. I think it's the him being a cock. Do you know? What I mean? Maybe. I mean, that, that's the thing. All these things, you got to look at the intent. Because, like I'm yeah, saying, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's just that people yeah. haven't had those experiences, exactly, and it's genuine yeah. ignorance. Yeah. Like you said, if you're in a little bubble, or sometimes if you're in a community that's like predominantly white you get it sometimes in upper class communities and these people don't think they're racist they have no racist intent but they say and do things that are actually racist yeah the intent's not there they're just they don't experience colored people to know how they should and shouldn't do things i wouldn't even say act because you just treat them like a person it's just they don't it's it's a novelty for them if you see what i mean it it, it depends like like you said there's so many layers to it like like I said, the, oh, it's always the Indian taxi drivers. If you just cut in, if you were just skipping forward there, that was not a... It's a, <laughs> a quote. Yeah, that's a quote from earlier in the episode. You the context. Um, you know, I always try and work out people's nationality before I call them something. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, 
I yeah. doubt I don't know because India and Pakistan have some big big issues, but I'm sure a Sri Lankan wouldn't mind if you called them, you know, Indian. <sighs> well, no, they would. No, I'm not saying that. But, yeah, <laughs> I no, mean, no, I'm just saying talking about India and Pakistan having issues. Yeah, I oh, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. Mate, mean... the way I look at it, a lot of them probably. I wouldn't... just meant in the context of yeah, yeah, yeah. your typical um, yeah citizen. W- what I was going to say is a lot of them probably wouldn't get that annoyed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It would be like someone calling me a Frenchman if they yeah. were from Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just another white guy to them. Yeah. I mean, but then saying that, if a Welsh or Scotsman got called English, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. not happy about that. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just a point trying to prove yeah. that I didn't do it well. But yeah, no, yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyway, yeah, so no but, white shit. I gathered that, mate. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's there. Yeah, let's um, let's maybe move on because that's getting in the interesting territory. But as to you know. Anglo boys, <laughs> we probably are treading dangerous water yeah, right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've already said three things that put me on a list. Um. <laughs> so we're going to move on to another new topic. Now we've kind of explained <clears throat> why uh, the six took six weeks for this to get recorded. Um, my piss stones. Yeah, piss stones. Yeah. Now I've got kidney stones. I've had kidney stones for um, I don't know five years. I don't know, whenever I went to school, no, nah, it can't be five years. Probably at least three years. Um, basically, it was about five, well, no, it was the night before. I've not just, I've not passed one, by the way. Uh, I've just been having issues with my kidney quite recently, um, or both sides of my kidney. Do you know if it's sure. actually stones this time or not? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> the doctors, the doctor, I was more disappointed by how I was treated by the doctor than I was about not getting a, a diagnostic do you know what i mean a diagnosis yeah, um you know uh i mean when he walked when i went in there and i explained to him i've got kidney stones he said how do you know that i said i've passed one and i've obviously had scans do you know what i mean i've not just decided out of nowhere that i've got kidney stones they're in my kidneys anyway he wasn't paying attention to me mate he wasn't listening um and well, well, wait wait back up sorry so when you have when you had the last stones, you mm. you didn't pass them all. You had some. Oh no, I passed them, but I've still got two in my kidneys. So oh. I gave it. So I had to. So this is this is just a comparison of how good my old doctor was to the current one. The current one looked like he wanted me out of the office before I even came in. He didn't listen to me. He actually had the cheek to ask me what I wanted from the appointment. When you can't just say, obviously I've fucking diagnosed this doctor. That's why I'm here. You got to be polite, haven't you? You said, well, yeah, yeah. I want to know is it an infection or is it my stones playing up? You know, um, he gave me a piss tube. Said, go to the toilet, give that to the nurse. I said, where's the toilet? And he looked like he was about to blow his fuse, mate. He was like, I <laughs> <laughs> oh, see. That's when I'd have just been like, well, I can piss here if you want, yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, it'd yeah, be yeah, comfortable for either. Yeah, he fucked me off anyway. I moaned about him to the nurse when I went back in, but she was only about our age, so I couldn't have a good fucking rant. But she said, you know, you're, you're. I should have complained about him there and then. I'm not bothered. But if I ever have to see him again and he's half as bad as that, I will complain. I would, mate, because maybe he was just having an off day to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, like, if he does it again, then that's how he's treating patients. Exactly, yeah. So it's not as... Yeah, exactly. I mean, the area we live in, there's a lot of old people draining our system. Do you know what I mean? Well, single-handedly... Well, not single-handedly, and mass voting for the party that are cutting the, uh, you know, the benefits to the NHS. But we won't go into that. That's another story. Uh, anyway, going back to what I was saying, com- comparing to my doctor in my, I, li- I used to live in a city, busy city, busy doctors. Only had two GPs there. 
him being the, the, the you know, the actual uh, practice doctor, the GP, and then one have a rotational one where they obviously learn him from another doctor or whatever. Oh, snap. Yeah, it was, I mean, I always asked him because he, he was obviously well aware that they are struggling. I said, how are you getting on? And he said, you know, it's going okay, but we're there's issues, do you know what I mean? There's staff, maintaining staff, um, just too busy, um, yeah. too busy. Not enough staff, too busy. Um, anyway, even though you can consider that he was in a city and he was always busy and he's recognised the fact that he was busy, he always took the time to, um, I mean, he diagnosed my kidney stone straight away, do you know what I mean? It was a case mm. of, he just put me on a bench, had a little feel around and said, yeah, kidney stones. I said, nothing I can do for you. I'll give you these uh, um, ibuprofen or no, it wasn't ibuprofen. It was um, diclofenac. That will go. We will go into that later in my uh, anecdote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he gave me these things. But he, you know, he had the decency to test my piss there and tell me whether there was an issue and put me in for a blood test and take me. Uh, you know, when he didn't know what was wrong, he would always send me to the hospital to have scans. Do you know yeah, what and I mean? then you're appreciating how overworked he is, and he's still taking the time, yeah, the patient exactly. care, and everything. A good doctor, what a doctor c- could be like. Um, anyway, so I, I piss in the pot on that, drive home pissed off at the doctor, um, get a phone call from the nurse about five minutes later saying, oh yeah, you, there's blood and protein in your urine, you need to come back for a blood test. I was like, well, why the fuck couldn't he just tell me that there and then? I wouldn't have had to drive home, I would have had the blood test already booked, and then I had to fight for when they said they'd do me a blood test, because I rang up and they said, yeah, we ain't got one that day. I said, no. I said I'd ring up and find out when my day off is, and then ring back and book this blood test. I said, that's when it's got to be in. Yeah. To be fair to the girl on reception, she did put me in for it. But you got to fight your corner, and I'm 26 years old, mate. If I say I've got a kidney problem, because he, he wrote off his muscles, you know, like a, a bad back. I yeah. said, if you're 26 years old and you've got a kidney problem, you get taken seriously, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Well, you should well, yeah. be. Yeah, especially you if be. you've got a history, which he'll be able to see, because that'll be on your notes. They'll be on but his computer right there and look, then. did he? Do he? he obviously didn't look. Oh, yeah, it just shows idleness, doesn't it? Yeah, useless doctor by the sounds of it, mate. Like I said, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I won't complain just yet, but if he does it again, I'll be fucking, yeah. Well, when you well. passed your stones the first time, yes. did, you, uh, did you keep them? Nah, there was two. Well, I was in Spain, mate. So basically, oh, even more reason. Bring them back. No, 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 no. Because um, I mean, they were they they they're not the grain of a sand, like a grain of sand, mate. They're tiny, even smaller than that. It could be. Do you know what I mean? Um, but basically, when I first had the pain, it was just agony. I was being I was being sick from the pain, which is something I've never. I mean, I've been sick because oh. I felt ill, but I, I was in so much pain, mate. I was being sick from the pain. It was a. It was. Definitely a new feeling. Um, I had those diclofenac, which is a NSAID, you know, anti-inflammatory. Um, of course. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I was taking them. They were doing fuck all, mate. The only thing that was really working was a hot water bottle on my kidney, and I was still in agony. Like you got a period. I can imagine, mate. <laughs> Obviously, I've not lived the experience, but I can imagine. I'd say because hot water bottle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can I can imagine the experience is far worse, but I I've not lived it, so as we were saying, I don't know. Um, but anyway, when I when I went to the doctors and he said you've got kidney stones, I said, ah, oh, are they going to pass up by the end of the week? He said, don't know. I said, I'm going to Spain at the end of the week. <laughs> he went, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, how was the flight? 
fucking agony. Not too bad when I was up in the air, but definitely a lot worse when I came down. Um, but the worst thing was, Harriet doesn't drive. So we were renting a car. First time I've ever driven on the uh, right-hand side of the road. Uh, absolute agony. Went round the roundabout pretty much. The, well, I went the right way round it, but I didn't give way to the right way because it was just outside <laughs> Malaga Airport. And it's yeah. just huge. I said, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was in agony, mate. To be honest, my main concern wasn't driving. It was the pain I was in. Um, have you ever driven a right-hand drive car? Well, yeah, because I forgot to mention oh, earlier, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, the milk vans yeah. were at work. They're all they're all electric and they're all uh, like right hand, so because you well, get out curbside. At least uh, electrics push and go, isn't it? You got the handbrake on short. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no just, gearbox, yeah. is there? No. Always slap. What's the one thing you shouldn't do on a, on a you know any manual car is to slam it in first gear at about forty mile an hour. <laughs> and I was I thought I was going in third, but. I mean, there was definitely there was some giving the uh, the clutches. It didn't want to go in, but I put it in, mate. No, I've, I've done that back when I first got my car, and I'd only just got oh. my license. I made a mistake like that once. Fuck! I've never heard a car scream like that. It was all <laughs> like it was serious. Serious. Just got to shoot the revs up as quick as possible. <laughs> oh, mate! They sh- the yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it was a rental. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, and then I'll take a drive. Uh, we just drive through this tiny, um, it was Mijas, which is just outside Malaga, right, you know, south of Spain and that. Um, and I was driving, I said to her, we've got to pull up, I'm, I'm in too much pain here, do you know what I mean? We've really, really got to pull over. Um, and she was like, yeah, that's fine. So I was driving through this tight little crowd, couldn't fuck it, didn't know where I was going. Found a car park, went to get to the pharmacy and that. And obviously it was a siesta, so it was closed for another hour. Yeah. So <laughs> so Everything going wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when I managed to, to, to get in there, she obviously didn't speak any English. So I was explaining it in agony what my, what my problem was. And she goes, oh, yeah, 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 that's fine. I said, um, can I buy some of these Diclofenac? 22 tablets in this country cost me... I think it was £16 or something because it was basically two lots of one strip of um, the anti-inflammatories. A pack of like 48 out of there cost me, I think it was like €1.80. Do you know what I mean? It's mad. <laughs> that's madness, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah but then that's because you pay per item here yeah, for prescription. Yeah, I know. So Which I I'm not knowing about prescription costs and that, but... There's ways they can inflate the, the, the price of your medication. Now. Oh, of course. But then if you've got a good doctor as well, like, and it's something that you can buy over the counter, yeah. they'll tell you that. Yeah, they'll yeah, tell yeah. you that you'll Even get it cheaper. I, look, it was, um, I won't mind about it. It's just uh, how much cheaper it is in Spain. But uh, on the downside of that, up until recently, I think they were quite happy to give you antibiotics over the uh, counter as well. Oh, mate, they're like that across most of Europe, or really? were anyway. That's well, like a big problem. Very bad, isn't it? You know, yeah. Very bad. But I think they've stopped in there. Anyway... Um, yeah, basically, anyway, it got, I was in an agony for about three days in Spain, and then I think at the end of the third day, I sat on the toilet, went for a wee, because it was night time and I didn't want to stand up and miss the toilet, because obviously mm. there's no lights in there whatsoever. Um, and I felt like this pressure difference in my, uh, in my piss stream, and I, I thought, that's... And then, like... Almost instantly, the pain just went. Do you know what I mean? It it it, it was very strange because I was in agony, and then all of a sudden, 
I felt fine. Do Wait, you know so it wasn't like a big painful thing to shoot it out? It just kind of shot no, you, you really threw and that was gone? Yeah, mine was tiny, mate. Like I said, I don't know what it's like for people that... Because I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because some people have them so big they have to get them surgically yeah. removed. Anyway, yeah, the doctors ain't going to do it. That, that, that's, so when the doctor sent me to the um, hospital in that, uh, they said, I had three appointments, mate. I was the youngest person in that room by about 80 years. Um just to sum up how yeah anyway everyone else was at least 106 (laughs) yeah 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 you know they're living longer aren't they um but anyway um yeah uh three doctor's appointments i cancelled the third one because it was pointless i went there the first time i had the scans second time i had an appointment saying are you drinking enough water i said yeah first uh yeah, third appointment at the hospital in a series of four. They said, yep, you got kidney stones. I was like, okay. He goes, you might pass them, you might not. Uh, just drink enough water to make sure you don't. I was like, so basically for the rest of my life, I've got to live in the uncertainty that I might have that agony at least two more times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a nice thing to have over your head. It could be worse. It definitely could be worse. Well, let's just think. They might grow big enough that you'll you'll be able to make a bracelet or something. Well, the, yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> I was... Con- obviously, when I'm getting kidney issues and that, my, my main concern is, is the kidney stones causing an issue? I still think they're causing an issue, but I've not heard back from the blood test, and that's been five days, so it's probably come out saying it's all clear. The kidneys are functioning fine. Yeah. But... It might have just been a UTI as well. Do you know what I mean? But I had one of them a little while ago. Yeah. Kept, um, kept waking up, like, drenched in sweat. Like, my yeah, bed yeah, was yeah, damp. Yeah, yeah. I was sweating. I didn't know what was up. And I went to the doctors, and they're like, oh, you got a UTI? And I'm like, how? And they're just like, oh, it can just sometimes yeah, happen for, like, no apparent things, reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, for the, the <clears> yeah, but the, I've not had any fever in that. The only thing I've had is a bit of nausea when I really need to go to the toilet. Which makes me obviously I'm pain, a lot of pain in my, not a lot of pain in my kidneys, but pain in my kidneys when I need to go to the toilet. Yeah. Which makes me wonder whether it's, you know, urine getting blocked in the kidney and coming Could back be. up. Which is what I was trying to ask the doctor, but he's done fuck all. And of course if that doesn't show up in a blood test, then I'm not gonna know, am I? Just gotta stay hydrated, mate. Yeah, yeah. Then then I'm in agony when I need a piss. Um but yeah, that's the hospital's advice anyway. But but the flight back was fine then, I assume. <coughs> Yeah, I was fine by then, yeah. I, I think for the first three days, Harriet's probably thinking, oh, you're going to ruin my holiday. <laughs> but all in all, mate, it was all right. And you left the uh, stone in the loo, I'm assuming. Well, I wasn't going to fish it out. I couldn't well. see anything anyway. That's why I was sitting down. I, d- I just thought you might want to declare it when you go through the airport. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was 0.00003 grams lighter than I was when I, uh, when I left. Lovely. Did I ever tell you about that time a few years ago when I was in Bulgaria and um, Sophia got really sick and then she basically just got on the mend as I went really sick the night before we had to fly home. Oh, oh man, I was up all night, projectile yeah. vomiting in the toilet. Oh. And um, and uh, luckily Sophia's nan, like obviously for anyone listening, she's Bulgarian, so her nan's a nurse. So her nan had to come around in the morning and give me an injection in my ass cheek <laughs> just so I could get enough energy to get on the plane. What was, so the, what was it? I don't know. I don't know what it was. It Her nan doesn't speak English. <laughs> I just was like, uh, I was just so ill. Oh, I was just I've like, whatever. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, basically just like, whatever. Like, didn't care. Didn't care that she's looking at my butt. Didn't care. So got on the plane, feeling really ill. Got to a point and I was like, 
I think I'm going to mess myself. And <laughs> I'm not saying if I did or didn't, but I am saying I abandoned a pair of boxes in the first <laughs> toilet when I got off the airport. It, oh was, God. it was the worst flight I've ever experienced. I mean, yeah, that is bad. And then I got back, and this was when I was living in the old flat with a bad landlord. Yeah, so I got yeah, back, yeah. and our ki- he came over to do some work, right? I can't remember what the work was. It was something in our kitchen, I think with the oven or the washing machine. And we came back. The job he was meant to do was not done. I think <laughs> our toilet was also now not working. <laughs> the kitchen window was smashed. <laughs> and there was glass all over the kitchen. And no explanation. And I called him up and he goes, I was going to ask you about that. And I went, I was like, there is no way that window was broken if you're saying you came in and did work. Because why did you not pick up all the glass off the floor oh. and the counter? It was, Oh, man. And I felt really ill and I was still ill for like a week afterwards. It was just like the worst time. Yeah, nice. Wow. I'm glad he did a good job. Yeah. Just, well, just reminding me talking about being sick and traveling. Did it, um... <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Was he, was he, did he have a wheelchair? No, he had a, um, he, he probably could have done with one. He, he seemed to refuse to, like, uh, accept how ill he was. He basically had some problem with his, um, with his brain or something. I think he got. Oh, that's a bit deep. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it was a joking problem, but, and he was, like, older, and he, like, he had, um, I think he had to have operations years ago on his brain. He had parts of his skull missing. He had like a big club foot. And we lived three flights up in an oh, old yeah, Victorian house. So yeah, let's move on. No, no, no. It's just he just <laughs> took his time because he was one of those people that was refusing to accept that he needed help. But then yeah. I think that's kind of why he managed to survive for so long. So I didn't say anything. I just kind of let it be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. Let's get off that. Yeah, let's, let's uh, move on. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, you probably want to sum up what task you gave. Well, this is your idea for the podcast. Yeah, right. So, basically, I thought that um, because Kurt being really into his jazz and me being really into my blues, I thought that we could essentially come up with three albums and share them with one another and just listen to them and then discuss it. So, the original plan was to talk about all three and then it kind of was like, that's a really big task. So, we've got two more for the next two episodes. Yeah. Um, But today, we've picked an album each that was shared. So uh, we'll start with your album you gave me, Kurt. So Kurt yes. gave me some Charles Mingus to listen to. Yeah, so basically, if anyone's familiar with even me or jazz music, I like bass a lot. I like playing bass. I like the feeling of bass. I like the, I like the, the way it makes me look at stuff. I like bass. Uh, but Charles <laughs> Mingus is, is a, a prolific, well, was a prolific um, well, pianist and composer, to be fair. And uh, bass player is what he's up, you know, upright brace, double yeah. bass, what he's known for. Um, uh, so, yeah, obviously, the album I picked is probably one of his most well-known. It's, it's The Clown, and it was released in 90... Well, released in 1957, recorded in 1957, but I think it was um, obviously... Prob- no, 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 they re- no, 1957, that's the date you need to know. Um, and the reason I picked this for you to listen to is because uh, Mingus is a really good artist for that sort of um, bluesy feel. The uh, he likes a lot of the he went to church a lot, you know, sort of the gospel church. So you got a lot of the gospel call and reflon- uh, call and response influence in his music. Um, and yeah, basically, 
it's a really good album what did you think of it yeah i thought it was great um i'd, I'd actually made i think i did share it with you here i've made yeah, a lot I didn't of notes reading though. i didn't bother reading right i made a lot of <laughs> notes on pretty much each song as i went along um so yeah the first track uh should i give the show i'll give the track name should i yeah i think it was it called haitian fight song haitian fight song and then track number two is blue sea uh mm-hmm. track three is reincarnation of a lovebird track four is the clown yeah but i will note that he had originally i'll go on to this you know he had originally um made two other tracks for the album but he didn't include them because to quote mingus he said uh I selected these four tunes over two others that were more intricate because some of those guys have been saying that I didn't swing, so I made some that did. This <laughs> album is also the first blues album. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, so yeah, yeah. So basically, so it's proven didn't... a point with some of those tunes. And as you said, you can get those uh, as like bonus tracks on the end of the album. Mm, um, yeah. I did give them a quick listen, but I didn't include them in my little... Uh, yeah that's good yeah thing. Okay, I, I wanted well, to i, I wanted to in- full track one that's anyway. it i wanted to include it as just kind of how he intended it yeah yeah so yeah i thought the first track had very familiar sound yeah um to the riff i'm pretty sure i've heard it before it's not from snapper in it yeah yeah um so i thought the the opening i mean talking about him playing upright bass it's just opens the whole album opening with just him playing the bass and Oh, yeah, juicy it's solo, like it's, it? yeah, it's a really, <laughs> it's a really grooving line, um, yeah. as well. Like the solo's intense. It's opening with this mad solo, and then it goes into the main kind of um, uh, the main melody, I guess, or <laughs> riff. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, and this then builds into this really uh, big sound, and it levels out with some really nice grooves and some really like delightful sounding like brass sections, just kind of jamming. Really, yeah, really, and good then. Tune, yeah then the temp starts picking up and it starts feeling erratic and it feels very free form. Um, <laughs> and then it goes back into this sort of mellowness and it just kind of keeps going back and forth. And it's almost like this just kind of cool sea of madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like it calms and then it gets erratic and it calms. Um, it just remind. I wrote what I write here. I wrote, it reminds me of my mind in anxiety, in anxiety, <laughs> like when you're overwhelmed and it's either all or nothing and you either have just like, um, one thing or too many things going on at once. Yeah. So when yeah, it's yeah. focused, it's nice and it's grooving and it's that chilled thing. And then everything comes in and it just it sounds like a, a, an organized mess. Intricate chaos. He was very yeah. good at his chaos. Yeah. He's very yes. good. Um, I'll, I'll give you what. So that was the Haitian fight song, which is track number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got what Minga said about it. He said, I'd say this song is contemporary folk feeling. My solo in it is deeply co- a deeply concentrated one. I can't play it right unless I'm thinking about prejudice and hate and persecution and how and how unfair it is. There's sadness and cries in it, but also determination, and it usually ends with my feeling. Oh, I told them. I hope somebody heard me. <laughs> After yeah. hearing that, do you think that's a good good view for the song? Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, it came from the artist, so it's got. No, I like it. I like it. I like seeing their um. It's what I like about music really it's really yeah. uh it has that personal thing where it means to the artist but then it also i mean you're, very convey, much yeah, you're using sound to convey meaning but that meaning yeah. is very much individualized to the uh, listener and obviously the writer definitely and um, then with blue sea there were some things that i really wanted to talk about yes, unless you yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. talk about haitian well, this fight is, song still this is the tune that he um considered his first blues tune he made on um records right so it opens and i'm not 
I'm not savvy enough with my theory to uh, explain this properly, but it opens with um, what I can only describe as that like clashing chord sound. The uh, yeah, the, uh, we'll get on to that. That is funny enough what we're going to be talking about later on in the Right. Episode. Yeah. Yeah, but don't so worry about that. But yeah, carry on. Good, because then I need you to explain to me exactly. We'll, we'll go into that in a minute, but I need you to explain to me exactly like what the, kind of the name is of that and how that works. Because I've always been curious. It's something that I really, it's uh, especially with jazz, it's something that really yeah. stands out that that happens a lot. But yeah, 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 it's yeah. like it works, but it, it sounds like it should clash, and I don't okay. really know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that starts like that, and then it goes into this really nice kind of um, swing. Like I literally yeah. was sat there swaying back and forth as I'm listening to it, and I couldn't yeah, help yeah. but like sway because it just had this really, really good swing. That's to it. That's when you're um, grooving, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have headphones on, or did you listen to it on speakers? I listened to it on speakers. Yeah, no. I was fun. there was no one home, so I could just kind of whack the speakers Crap the up. Jazz up, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then what was it? And then I, I've also noted that again, this gave a strong sense of familiarity. Um, I really liked. There was this one part where he's doing a lot of these bass slides. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's grooving on it, and it, I just, yeah, there's just this whole swing, and then it just keeps like sliding, and um, yeah, he's it almost. Really. And then the brass starts coming in, mm. and it builds a real unnerving sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, good ching. Um, I've got what he's written about here. Uh, Blue C is a standard. Well, it's not what he wrote, but this is his notes. Hang on, I'll read. The notes are the following excerpts come from the original line of notes and are statements made by Mingus himself. Um, so that this is directly from Mingus, what I'm saying here. Um, blue C is a standard blues in two keys, C and B flat. But that's not noticeable, and it ends up in C, basically. Uh, he said, I heard some bassy in it, uh, referring to Count Basie, who's another artist, um, and some church-like feeling. So, sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah, sounds, yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Okay, so track three was Reincarnation of a Lovebird. Yeah. So this one, talking about call and response, um, mm. <clears throat> this has a really sporadic opening again. Um, and it's jump it just keeps jumping from instruments, like almost like they're having a conversation. Yeah. I thought it sounded like someone was having an argument or a really intense, like heated discussion or something. Yeah, the way yeah, that the yeah, instruments yeah. kept going back and forth and then it kind of went up and it got loud and then it like went quiet. And do, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow, I'd have to listen to it again now. So it starts, but that. what I wrote, I said it starts, it starts calm and smooths out, and then um, it's like someone's taking a deep breath and then explaining their situation. So it starts really erratic. It's almost like they're going back and forth with each other, and then kind of calms out and starts almost feeling like someone's then trying to calmly explain after you've all this passions happen in an argument. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then eventually it goes into something really relaxing. That remind what I wrote. It said, I feel like I should be wearing a smoking jacket, holding a cigar and hosting bourgeois parties. I mean, that's 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 the whole job. Yeah, definitely. That's why I listen to it, mate. That's what I do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, basically, uh, Reincarnation of Lovebird is a composition dedicated to bebop saxophonist Charlie Parker, commonly known as Bird. So, Lovebird. But um, if you don't know Charlie Parker, is he's you know very very influential uh, saxophonist, but he had right. a particularly uh, sort of very quick tempo. He's very like screeching. He's a phenomenal player. Um, so yeah, so a lot of the uh, again chaos in the tune that you uh, you know reincarnation lovebird would have more than likely been influenced by Charlie Parker. But yes. Anyway, well, I started nodding when you said that because once you said bebop, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, right, yeah, no, yeah, okay, yeah, now yeah, I know yeah, where yeah. we're coming from. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, and he said, I wouldn't say I set out to write a piece on Bird. Suddenly I realised it was Bird. In one way, the work isn't like him. It's built on long lines and most of his pieces were short lines. But it's my feeling feeling about Bird. I felt like crying when I wrote it. So, there you Passionate go. man. Yeah, oh, he's an angry man, mate. But um, That's yeah, where the it, best passion comes yeah, from. Yeah, seriously, angry man. But um, anyway, track number four, The Clown. Right, now this is quite different. Yes. Like compared to the rest of the album, this how dark is it, mate? It's, it's yeah, but also the fact that the rest of the album is predominantly instrumental. Yeah, and yeah, then no, it's, it's a really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got this like narrator just telling a story, um, yeah. a really dark story about a clown. <laughs> I'll just give you the name of the um, narrator. It's Gene Shepherd. He was quite famous during the time. I think he was like a children. Oh right. Uh, and sorry, he was an American storyteller, humorist, radio and TV personality, fr- writer, and actor. Right, that might be why his voice sounds familiar. Like, I don't yeah, know if I've yeah, heard yeah. him, but it sounds like that typical kind of yeah. American, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we're telling a story now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so that was, um, yeah, like this, it, was, it starts off kind of nice with a lot of laughter being told. And then <laughs> um, it's almost like you're in part of a film. Um, music really fits it but then as the music turns darker the story seems to turn <laughs> darker <laughs> yeah yeah it is really good though i i um i mean yeah it's it's probably not my favorite on the album a lot of gray a lot of blue all he wanted to was to make this crowd laugh that's all <laughs> like, yeah mate, so he keeps talking about the colors the colors he felt yeah 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 i mean yeah um, I'll, I'll tell you what you wrote about it. Uh, the clown tells the story of a clown who tried to please people like most jazz musicians do, but who nobody liked until he was dead. My version of the story ended with him blowing his brains out, with the people laughing and finally being pleased because they thought it was part of the act. But I liked the way Gene changed the ending, leaves it more up to the listener. I don't know if you saw the ambiguity at the ending. I'm not sure. If you if you listen to it now, so basically Mingus wanted it, so he, bl- you know. Yeah, yeah, I gather that. It's yeah. clear that he um, blows his brain. Oh out. right, yeah, no, that's not clear at all. Did you not think that? Because I, the f- I thought he did, but no, but that, but that's not what it was in the um. No. no, that's what Mingus wanted, and I suppose that is what the artist originally implied. But Gene Shepherd changed the ending to leave it more up to the listener. So I must admit, when I first listened to it, I thought, well, that's him killing himself, but. My my big takeaway, which I've written in the bottom here, is just that it's just he's becoming a spectacle. They're laughing yeah. at him, not with him, because no oh, one yeah. cares about the clown. Yeah. In um, fact, there's a, a fantastic Hector Laboy tune called El Cantante, which is well worth listening. But basically, he was talking about being a singer and uh, when you're on stage, everyone loves you. But when you're off stage, no one no one cares about you. No one wants to know. All they want to know is the gossip and that. Oh, yeah, stuff like that. But is it, that was a side note, but that's well worth checking out that tune. I'm trying to remember what the thing... I've, I've written in my notes, and I didn't listen to it today. I listened to it about a week ago. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, to I'm trying to remember what the link to William Morris was. Something about William Morris sends his regrets or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was it. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's the exact line, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. don't know. Because you know who William Morris is, right? Hang on, let me look him up. Confirm that. Who is he? <laughs> let me let me look it up. Oh, so no, I know the name, obviously. Um, he's a poet. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a poet. Um, I think British. 
Yeah, no, you spit. I've yeah. got him here. Maybe I've got... Oh, is he a socialist as well? Mm. Oh, nice one. No, I've, I've, not, I've, not, I've not read any of this man's work, and I'm probably going to. I think I have some on my bookshelf. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would definitely check that out. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a good proper read later. As regards to that, I don't know what that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've got no idea what relevance that is to the... No, it's fine. I'm just curious if you knew. But yeah, um, overall, I thought it was a brilliant album. I'd definitely tell, uh, suggest anyone to listen to it, especially if you are interested in jazz. I mean, it's a great listen to just sit there and intensely like focus and listen to it, but also it'd just be great for background music, you know? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, after I told you to listen to it, I mean, I was already listening to it back because basically I'll go through times when I want to listen to loads of funk or... Yeah, like basically, I want big, big, big jazz at the moment. Uh, and... I, I probably that was probably my first jazz album to be honest. I think it probably was, um, you know, CD and that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm just back on listening to that, and I think I listened to it about six times since I told you the longer version as well. Six times since I told you to listen to it. That's how good I think that album is. Right. Well, anyone should listen to that. <laughs> it's well worth listening to if you like jazz. If you don't, you probably fucking hate it. But you'd be wrong. <laughs> anyway so yeah so i listened to an album even longer ago than what louis listened to mine so my well i didn't take notes i should have done really that's all right i will for future ones no that's um, fine so i gave you a bit different i gave you a compilation purely yes. because when you go this far back in blues and things um it does get a bit hard to pinpoint albums i mean some people are easier than others but i'll, I'll explain in a minute why but i gave you lead belly yeah. Um, and the so album. I'm with, I, am fam- I was familiar with Lead Belly. Before. Yes. The, the reason I gave yeah. you Lead Belly is because when me and Kurt were um, very younger, we were huge fans of Nirvana. Yeah. So anyone who knows Nirvana and knows Unplugged in New York, they end on Where Did You Sleep Last Night, which is originally a Lead Belly song and originally it's called Black Girl, not because yes. he doesn't say My Girl, he says Black Girl. Um, but yeah, so this album is a compilation called Take This Hammer, which I gave you because it's. Um, one of the CDs I own. That was one of the reasons for picking it, to be honest. But also it has a nice kind of span of a lot of the works, including Black Girl, because you'd be familiar with that song, so it gives you a sense of familiarity. Yep, I'm just looking for the chat list now. Uh, I mean, my highlights, if the, obviously I won't count that tune because it's one I've definitely heard before, uh, in Lead Belly as well as, obviously, Nirvana and that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a good tune, in it? But I think uh, yeah, Salty, Salty Dog was a good tune excellent tune is that the one where he's really good on guitar that yeah. must have been that must have been later in his career because he's he's very slick on that at the mm. moment, um, during that um and then you had that sort of classic bluesy out in the fields pick a bale of cotton yeah jump round, turn around pick a bale yeah, of cotton I mean, jump round, turn around pick a bale of day <laughs> again probably a well-known one really but it's, that's it's, it's, such a great hook <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 well exactly well, it's, again i've been you can hear that I knew Mingus would be up your street because he's probably drawn on a lot of influence from these sort of cats and that. Do you know oh, yeah, because Lead Belly's like, um, I mean, he gets classed as blues, but he kind of predates blues, yeah, if you like. It, it's more when we, it was just like American folk music. I mean, the, the guy was born in 1888. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, he's really good. I, I, I was struggling to pinpoint a lot of. Um, I didn't know what tuning he was in, mate, because it sounded like it sounds like East Standard. 
but it's not. Do you know no. what I mean? It's probably down tuned. Maybe. Well, he does play a twelve string. Yeah, I knew, I knew that. I didn't. I, I knew that, but I, I mean, you can tell because as well, he's he's got a high action on that guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's a real. He's loud. He's yeah. loud, isn't he? He's, he's a loud. He's a loud singer, but he played guitar loud as well. Oh, he was a big guy, man. He was a big was guy. Yeah, yeah. So was Mingus, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, he he really hits his guitar, doesn't he? Um. But, I mean, yeah. I, w- I really liked it. I, I I can see where a lot of blues influence comes from that. I mm. would say for me, some of those tunes are a little too out there. Do you know what I mean? Not out there, just um. Yeah, because there's some that's almost which have been inspired uh, by or or were recorded yeah. by uh, Chain Gangs. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like, so I, I'll give you some background on him because he's got a really interesting life. I will try to keep it a bit brief because I have got about a page worth here. Right. Yeah. Right. So his actual name is Huddy Ledbetter. Nice. And he was born in Louisiana in a place called Mooring Sport, or I think that's, I might have mistyped that. Anyway, um, but he kind of is often fought as a Texan because his parents moved to Texas when he was um, like a kid. Oh, okay, and they, yeah. I think they bought a farm. He okay. started off playing mandolin and accordion, nice, and yeah. he switched to guitar at 15, and right. his family encouraged him, um, including his uncle Bud Ledbetter which yeah. I think is somewhat known. He, They reckon he taught in most of his songs. Right, okay. Um, eventually, he moved out to um, somewhere else in Texas. I think it was around mm. Dallas. Um, and he met Blind Lemon Jefferson, which is a very notable blues player. Yeah. Um, very incredible blues player too. Yeah. And then after spending a few years with Jefferson in 1915, he decided to move back to his parents' farm with his wife and then he fell foul to the law. So it's not really documented what he did at this point, but they reckon yeah. it was something violent and right. his parents had to sell the farm to help him out. Oh, and yeah, yeah. while he was working on a chain gang, yeah. he escaped and went right. into hiding in a place called, uh, I, th- I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Decalb, it's D-E-K-L-A-L-B. It's in Texas. Um, and his wife joined him, and he was under the name Walter Boyd, um, and he's yeah. working on a farm again. He then found himself in trouble again because oh he shot he shot his distant cousin William Stafford, oh and he tried to escape. He went to a sorry, he went to a prison called Sugarland, which was um, notoriously hard to escape from, and he tried to escape a few times, um, but he couldn't. And he was serving a sentence that uh, extended over thirty years. Oh but while at Sugarland, he earned the name Leadbelly because um, of his toughness and his musical prowess earned him respect of not only the prisoners, but a lot of the people higher up in the prison. And the governor at the time, Pat Neff, would uh, visit Sugarland and request Leadbelly to play. So Leadbelly even composed a song for the governor asking for a pardon, which was granted (laughs) despite serving less than the minimum seven years he was supposed to serve. He moved back to Louisiana, um, where he was born, and he started um, playing music, drinking, playing around bars and things. And then um, he fell for uh, foul to the law again because mm. he made the mistake of stabbing a white guy. Yeah, um, yeah. that's gonna do it. The yeah, man's gonna, gonna, gonna pick you up then. No, especially back then. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. this was uh, so he got six to ten in a place called Angola Prison Facility. But while he was there, uh, a guy called John Lomax um, was documenting music for the Library of Congress, and he mm. met him and recorded him there. Um, and then in 1934, he was released for good behaviour. And became Lomax's chauffeur, 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 and Lomax and his son decided to introduce Lead Belly to the north of the United States. Um, so they became his managers and like started recording um, him 
but his record sales weren't too good because to the urban northerners he sounded too rural well, too country yeah. um so him and lomax part whom yeah him and lomax parted ways uh led belly headed south for a while before eventually returning back to new york uh, where he just kind of played cr- uh, clubs before he had his final spell in prison after stabbing another man and then after that <laughs> he just carried on playing clubs he played with um people like woodry uh, woody guthrie i think that's how you pronounce yeah, his name yeah, he's yeah. very significant uh folk player and he just carried on making a few recordings that didn't go very big until he died in 1949 nice. so partly why i picked the uh compilation because it spans a lot of that but also yeah you could definitely hear an improvement in in his playing his guitar yeah. playing as that is so obviously the compilation probably goes chronologically if i remember rightly um don't want to say that for definite though you'd have to you'd have to look that up um, yeah I d- i'm not sure about that but um, this unfortunately this doesn't. There are more songs that you would yeah, recognize yeah, yeah. of his. Probably, um, mate. It's just yeah, needs must, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because there's there's two I want to talk about though, which yeah. you will know. I'm not a hundred percent. I think he's the composer, but I'm not a hundred percent if he's the composer or it's just an old folk song sort of thing. But House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Uh, Black Bay. Oh really? You yeah. know, by like oh, Ram Jam. Do you know? Yeah, know I might have. I've not known that one. I feel like I've read that before. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think I've heard him singing it before. Oh, it's a lot better. It's um, if I, if I remember rightly, it's like a cappella, so he's just slapping yeah, his knee. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah, I've definitely heard it. I remember. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. That that leads quite no, no, Before we move on, I'll say the one thing I did notice was the use of dominant chords. Yes. Ooh. So we will use that to move on to the music theory. Right. So this way, this week, we're going to talk about the lovely dominant chord. Very important in um, in blues and jazz music, but uh, it, it's interesting because within the context of sort of diatonic harmony, which is what we looked at in the first week, you know, basically drawing notes that are in the scale to use as chords. Mm-hmm. Remember right, yeah. So basically, um, in in sort of that style of harmony, that typical classic harmony, the dominant chord is your five chord, and then you can move on to use um, secondary dominance, which is the five chord of another chord within your key. But it's always used as a way of pulling the listener back to the one, or in the case of the secondary dominant, which we won't go into, maybe another day, is to draw the, the, the listener to the five of that particular chord, back to that chord. Mm-hmm. So it's always got this um, pull in it. And like when you said about the, the Mingus tune and that, the, the dominant chord is made up about, uh, with your first scale degree, you know, your root note, root, uh, root note your third, your natural third, uh, so the third found in the major scale, uh, your fifth chord, uh, uh, your fifth note, sorry, your fifth scale degree, and then instead of having a natural seven, which would make it a major seven chord, you put the flattened seven in, which makes it a dominant chord. And that flat seven holds in it uh, quite a lot of tension in conjunction with the, the major third, which is why when you said, remember that Mingus tune? You no, said, the clashing one. Yeah, it's really classic. It's they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're dominant chords are used for dissonance, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in this, um, you know, the old style. And in in jazz music, they like to go crazy with the chord extensions on the dominant chord because it's already there to serve purposes as a dissonant chord. 
you can start adding your next scale degree and your next scale degree to really make it dissonant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it stands out. So I can't remember what the um, exact chord is off the top of my head for blue C, but you can for no doubt be a um, dominant chord with a, a far out extension on it. Do you know what I mean? So does that mean it's not actually clashing? It just sounds like it's clashing. No, it's clashing, but... It, when you use it well, I don't. The thing is, mate. The thing about harmony is, as we progress as uh, societies and we listen to more, uh, we get technology can play more sounds, and we listen to more, um, you know, sort of experimental stuff. Our perception of harmony changes. So, if you were to play, I let me rephrase that. So, in Western music theory, classical Western music theory, is that clashing? Um, well. It's not necessarily crashing, but there's dissonance there. Yeah. It's, it's used to sound a bit jarring. I don't want to say clashing because that would depend on your definition of clashing. Because I'm sure back in the day, you always have that rumour going about, but they didn't like the diminished fifth. They said, you know, the tritone interval, the one that Black Sabbath used. Oh, that's the devil's chord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but there's always that thing going around saying they never used it. Well, didn't use it much because it was the devil's note, or you know. Yeah, yeah, that, that that was believed but to be the devil's chord. <laughs> you can guarantee there were musicians back then using it because they liked the sound of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it almost so. I don't want to say it was clashing, but the, a dominant chord has a tension in it that right. It, it it definitely stands out, you know, as a chord. But blues music combines elements of Western and African harmony. Yes. So it doesn't necessarily fit into our, um, you know, classical approach of looking at harmony. And the one key difference, unless we're talking about minor blues, which we won't today, uh, the majority of blues tunes will use dominant chords instead of your major seven. Yeah. Or occasionally, if you're not adding the seventh degree, just use a, um, no, 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 ignore that. For the sake of this, blues tunes predominantly use dominant chords, which is your one, three, five, flat seven. Um, and I know what you're thinking, Louis. You're thinking, but Curtis, let me ask you something. If they're using dominant chords, how on earth do you know what key you're in? Because a dominant chord technically shouldn't belong to a, well, it does belong to a key, but it's ambiguous, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, especially when you're using every chord as a dominant chord. <laughs> you know, where do you stand? But, Blues quite often uses the one four five chord progression, and um, we discussed this in the first. I'm not going to go on. It's a very very common chord progression. You know, it's got a nice sense of, uh, you know, home disruption. Ah, that's probably not a good way. It's basically a good way of showing people suspense and release within music and that. So your five chords of suspense. And your one causes release, you know, relief. You feel like you're back home. Blues music. It's like a three act structure. Yeah, pretty much. It's a, it's a really common, really common chord progression. Yeah. Um, so one, four, five. Blues music obviously uses slightly dissonant dominant chords as every chord. Mm. But the, um, the structure in the one, four, five is so ingrained in us and so strong that we already know what key it's in. Do you know what yeah. I mean? you will always follow the one because the root motion between the one, the four and the five is always going to pull you back to the one. Yeah. Even if you, you know. start on the turnaround, which is, you could yeah, 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 like exactly. Even if quite five common. for anyone, 
yeah, the turnaround is the five. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> but no, it's just that's not quite. That's another common theme with blues. It doesn't say always start on the actual note that we're in the key. Well, yeah. We'll start on the turnaround to bring us back to the exactly. where it's actually just, starting. Like. Just in music, isn't it? Yeah. So you might have a four, five, and then the one, which mm. is the five being the turnaround. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're very familiar with twelve-bar blues progression. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to talk today about um, the eight-bar blues progression, and I think we established earlier in the week you predominantly play in the key of E, yeah? Yeah, usually, just for usually, simplicity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good key, mate. Well, it's uh, that, and it's my voice. <laughs> yeah, oh, is that, I didn't know what you, yeah, is that what you sing in E? Well, I mean, I'll try to sing in others, I'm just comfortable in E. I can yeah, sing yeah, in other that's, keys, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of where I'm comfortable. Yeah, nice one. Just my um, range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Anyway, eight-bar blues progression. So, there's two variations on this. If people are at home, they should probably should take notes now because I'm going to read it out quite quickly. <laughs> but you have, uh, and all these chords are dominant, okay? So I'm not going to bother saying dominant. Um, you've got your 1 7, your 1 7, your 4 7, your 4 7, your 1 7, your 5 7, your 1 7, your 5 7. Turn it around back to 1. So play that again. Uh, and then your variation 2 is 1 7, 5 7, 4 7. Four seven one seven five seven one seven five seven, and if you look at that, you've got the motion going from the five to the four to the four to the one, and that is a little bit um, it's almost a trick because you're you're expecting from the five to go to the one, yeah. but going back to the four sort of eases you into the one almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's you. <laughs> And in, in so in the in the key of E, the variation one would be E E A A E B E B. Variation two would be E B A A E B E B. Nice. Makes it, yeah, makes it nice and clear. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, we yeah. really in the future. I think we do really need to have some examples. Yeah, like a, yeah, or get a MIDI keyboard or at least or something. Oh, the lazy thing is, mate, mm. I have got one, but. I, uh, I practice so much on bass, I probably should do it on bass, really. But the, the, the only issue with bass is uh, chords get quite muddy if you include all the, all the you know, notes. So for that case, probably should use the MIDI keyboard. Yeah, um, we'll figure it out. But yeah, yeah, we will. yeah, 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 because otherwise it's, yeah. But anyway, well, you could give the example of an eight-bar blues progression, mate. You play it more than I do. Um, but yeah. I also want to tie that back into, and I should say now, last week I spoke, well, not last week, last podcast I spoke about modes. Yeah. I did say something I was quite unhappy with. I said it was, it, you know, there's sort of an archaic way of looking at them. I didn't really mean archaic. I meant for the sake of that podcast, we won't, I shouldn't have said archaic. I should have said we won't look at that today. Do you know what I mean? And unfortunately, it's been such a while since we recorded that that this has been eating away at Kurt, and he's been calling me in tears at the night on the phone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a devastating because once it's recorded, I ain't doing it again. <laughs> it's concrete. Yeah. Do it's one take. Um, but yeah, anyway, think back to modes, and you remember I highlighted to you two particular modes that you should probably look at. It's yes. Mixolydian. I said Dorian as well, but. Uh, Mixolydian, we'll say Dorian, do the Dorian, um, and the minor blues scale, yeah? yeah? The reason is because where blues uses so many dominant chords, those scales include the notes within the, um, you know, a lot of those dominant chords. So you can pretty much guarantee you're going to sound good over those chord progressions if you, um, 
improvise using don't even have to be just take the tonic you know take the key you're in it's the 13 e and mm-hmm. just use the mixolydian scale or the e uh minor blues scale to um go over the top of your you know your chord progression chord progression you probably do it instinctively anyway but uh it's just a very quick way of improvising over blues it's a good tip yeah well that's like i said when we do modes again which we will have to because i'm not happy with how we did it last time (laughs) um we're going to a little bit more about improvising using the modes but for now that's another day's work no it's good it's it's helpful for me because i've become really lazy with learning my theory so a lot of what i'm doing um like obviously i know a few scales but a lot of where i come from improvising is actually just uh like breaking down chords yeah, yeah. So you just is, see yeah. where the the notes are, and then figure out by ear what's exactly, clashing. Mate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean that's a perfect method of doing it because you're always playing a safe note. The downside is you're not going to get those juicy bits in between because you might not know where to put a chromatic note. You know exactly. I mean? That that's so the things I'm missing. It's to like create it into a bit more of a lick and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which is again, mate. Well, we can always do modes again next week. I do really want to talk about the circle of fifths or circle of fourths if you're which is how I tend to go around it. Yeah. Um, because that is a tool that is, I mean, there's people that criticise it, but I think they're small in number, do you know what I mean? Because as a method of um, learning your fourths and your fifths, the scale degree, and pretty much how music functions quite well, you know, yeah. the, circ- the circle of fifths is definitely worth learning, 100%. One of the easiest things to give you a quick boost in... Um, it's not easy. One of the most efficient ways of boosting your knowledge of music is definitely learning the cycle of fifths. Yes, definitely. It, uh, I know that. That's something that um, <laughs> just kind of put off. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. Well, we'll get into it, mate. I'll give you an acronym. Yeah, cause you, you there's useful diagrams and everything with that. Oh, it's, it, as a tool, mate, it's just it's like looking at an analog clock, isn't it? You know yeah. exactly where you are. At, and it, it's, it's, really, it's really useful in any type of music, jazz, pop blues doesn't matter mate it's, it's it's a useful school you know tool to use well yeah i mean i suppose as long as you're within western music because i know once you go into um once you go to like eastern music we start to have microtonal yeah, music and that's notes between notes <laughs> yeah but that's a good thing because yeah obviously within <laughs> it's like saying the, the guitar is an imperfect instrument in it you know it, 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 it's yeah. our we've learned our ears have adapted to it but yes would, of course know. um but Outside of the context of, you know, maybe one day we'll get into it, but there's different ways of, uh, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. So, so long as you know your modes as well as, your, you know, your, your scales and that, your modes, well, they are, you know, the, the intervals within the modes, you could listen to Eastern music and not find it particularly weird, so long as the instrument you're playing on it is not playing it too weird. Do you know what I mean? No, I understand what you mean. I just mean like I know yeah, 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 that know, that yeah. theory is a whole different side of things because they yeah. yeah it's microtonal. They go into notes between notes and the way yeah, even with the yeah, singing, yeah, yeah. you bend a lot in the singing, and again you're going in between notes and things. And it's there is hot, actually yeah. a correct way to do that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah definitely. Because yeah, they have their own scales, but they don't match to our scales. <laughs> no, no, it's. It, I mean, all it is is sort of sound waves coming in harmony with each other, don't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it and it's just. Sing- yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. Are, they probably just think these are like arbitrary points that we've just assigned. This is that note yeah, at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's all kind of, yeah. Well, it is. There's, I mean, for example, uh, there was one key. I can't remember what it was. They used 
to not use in classical music because how they stack the notes is the is the temperament. Oh. So we used twelve tone equal temperament. Yeah. They didn't they didn't use that. So how they stacked notes was slightly different because you'd only have ten. So oh, I can't remember. I think it is maybe it was F sharp. Yeah, one, that's, that's another thing that we always forget as well. That obviously, as the different movements have come along in throughout history, had their influence. On, yeah, exactly. The yeah, theory's I mean, changed. <laughs> yeah, the like I said about the harmony with that dominant chord, the dominant set clashes because to me, I've always thought they sound cool, but I've always listened to music. Oh, no, I think it sounds cool, but yeah, it sounds yeah, like yeah. it clashes. But that's yeah, why yeah, it sounds yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no, well, yeah, it, there's a tension there. That's all I want to say. <laughs> that's me done. Uh, no, that's great. Hopefully I've not said anything stupid that I won't realise until I've listened back to it and it's already set in stone, so we're good to go. Well, we can do any corrections next time, which should hopefully be a week from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I haven't got a wrap-up today. I haven't figured one out. Um, this has so, got to be a long podcast. It's been now. quite long. I haven't actually been checking the time, but I'm pretty sure we've no. gone over an hour. But Almost it's definitely. it's a return, so... Probably an hour and a half by the looks of it, mate. Like so I'm we'll kind of end it there. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, promote, nah. or? or I'm, I want my dinner. I'm right. Done. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I think I'm going to end it. I'm going to get a piece of audio, which you won't hear now, but I'm going to end it with a piece of, from Lightning Hopkins just sort of explaining what happened. I'll tell you about the blues. The blues with you every day and everywhere. See, you can have the blues about that you broke. You had to lose about your girl is gone. The blues come so many different ways until it's kind of a hard to explain. But once never that you get a sad feeling, you can tell the whole round world you got nothing but the blues.